man. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, been in, been in this room for about nine years. And this is the last time at 9 a.m. that we're going to be in here. So we're believing, we're believing that God has called us to a new place. That he's, you know, if you knew the, the whole story of how we got, you know, to where we're headed, how, how that happened, you'd just be, you'd be beyond yourself. I'm telling you, it's a God thing. And God, God, is, God is setting us up. But what, he, what he's doing and uh, us as a corporate body really is just a picture of what's going on in the individual lives as well. Because, you know, it's a great thing that we're experiencing, but let me tell you what a great thing is. It's just a bunch of little things all put together. And, and God, God's got great plans for your life. I don't know if you've ever heard this scripture before. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. And God said, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God's plan is to increase your life. God's plan is to make your life better. I'm telling you that the plan of God for your life is the best plan possible. And, you know, I think sometimes the enemy comes along and makes us uh, uh, want to believe things that if we really go after God life, that we're going to miss out on something, that we'd, we, we'd be walking away from something. No, you're stepping into something that's going to be insanely awesome. God's plan for your life is, man, it's rocking. You want God's purpose for your life. So you just want to, you just want to go at it and, and, and you, you, you want to forsake everything else if you have to, just to get in the middle of God's plan. Because God's plan is perfect for you. Romans 12, it says, you know, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove that, that God's will is good, perfect, and acceptable. The Amplified Bible says that you might prove to yourself that his will for you is good, perfect, acceptable. You, you know, we need to get this proven to ourselves. We, we, we need to get convinced, right, that God's way is the best way. Because a lot of times we end up trying to live our way instead of God's way, and it don't take long to get it figured out that our way is not really all that great. Maybe you're looking at me like that because you've been living life your way. <laughs> uh, there's a King James word for that. It sucketh. You, you, you want to you go after God life. Amen? You want to go after God life. And, and sometimes it just seems like, uh, things aren't what they should be and, or what they could be or what they ought to be. And, uh, but don't, don't let that stop you. God declared the end at the beginning. And if you'll, if you'll just focus on the end and let God direct the way, everything's going to be great. You know, it, God life is not a life that's separated from, from sorrow. Matter of fact, Jesus said, you know, Hey, in this world, there's going to be tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome it. If you're in Christ, you're already a world overcomer. You, you have what it takes to demonstrate Satan's defeat every day of your life. Amen. Several years ago, you know, uh, at least 25 years ago, 26 years ago, somewhere in there, uh, God dropped a message in, in, into our life. Shelby and I, we'd, we'd been ministering. I was, I was traveling, doing evangelism work and, and uh, going around the country preaching. And, and uh, uh, there, there was a message that God had just brought some revelation, and I was pumped about it. And I was getting invited all over the place to go speak it. And, and the title of the message was Sing, Baby, Sing. And uh, matter of fact, when I, when I came to Kennewick, Washington for one of the first times, you know, we had a tent, we traveled with the tent and, and, uh, that was one of the messages I spoke in, in this, in this area and sing, baby, sing. I went all over the country and, and basically it was based off of this, that we had learned that you cannot remain depressed and sing praises to God at the same time. That no matter what you're going through, that if, that if you would just, if you would just begin to sing and, 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 and celebrate God, that it, it would just, it would just strengthen you and you, you would end up seeing things change.
And instead of, instead of just allowing life to happen to you, you could be like in the driver's seat under the direction of the Holy Spirit. You could, you could make some great things happen. And, and so anytime something, you know, hard, would, would, we'd face something tough, we, we, we were just getting in the habit of saying, sing, baby, sing. Just, just reminding ourselves, just sing, baby, sing. And, and uh, uh, on one of the trips, I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And it had been kind of one of those extended trips, you know, and, and I, I'd call home. Shelby was pregnant with Evan. And uh, I would call home and check in, you know, every day, a couple of times every day. And, uh, but but before, before we had had, before we had kids, we had animals. Shelby loves animals. And we had had horses and all kinds of stuff. And, and uh, not too long before I had left for uh, Louisiana, uh, we, had, we had picked ourselves up a goat. And we hadn't had the goat a real long time, just long enough for me to learn to hate it. Yeah, just found out goats, goats, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Goats. And uh, Shelby, Shelby just loves animals, so she loved all animals. And, and uh, this probably what opened the door for me into her life. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I was getting ready to go and, and running out of time. And we lived, you know, quite a ways from the airport that I was flying out of. And I, I just remember that before I, we had a bunch of blackberries. We, had, we, we lived on a river. We had 980 feet of river frontage, and God had been blessing our lives. It was crazy. And, and uh, uh, I took the goat down. I thought, this would be great while I'm gone. The goat can eat some blackberries. You know, and I used to take the goat out, uh, you know, down there where the blackberries were. And I, one, one day I called, and Shelby answered the phone. And when she answered the phone, she was crying. And she was pregnant, so she was a little emotional. She was out of control. Okay. And uh, uh, it was the first pregnancy, and, you know, all the men are sitting there looking at me like, oh, God, be careful. I don't have to be careful. She knows it's true. She was nuts. And, and, and I'd call home, and she was crying. Baby, 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 what's wrong? And she said, the, the, the goat, the goat, the river, the river rose. We had a heavy rain somewhere, and the river rose. The goat drowned. <laughs> I'm on the other end of the line going, yeah. I hated that goat. Shelby loved the goat. And so I said to her, sing, baby, sing. She hung up. I'm not certain she even said goodbye, but, you know, we were done talking. And so, I, you know, I just went and told all my friends <laughs> the goat died. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny in a way. And, and uh, sort of sad, but not really. But uh, uh, and then, then I called back the next day. She's crying again. I'm thinking, that, oh, man, babe, don't worry about the goat. And she goes, it's not the goat. Uh, well, 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 what's going on now? Well, you know, banks are calling. We, we're, we're short on money. We need money. Sing, baby, sing. You know, this is what we've learned. We, 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 we've learned to overcome this stuff, and we're serving God, and we're, we're you know, we're, we're in pursuit of his purpose for our life, and it's all going to work out, and it's going to be all right. And then we hung up, and I walked around depressed for 10 hours. Called back the next day, hoping she'd encourage me, and she's crying again, and what is it? And she said, the, the hospital called, and, you know, they, they want full payment for the baby. And I said, well, tell you what, if we can't pay him in full when the baby's, by the time the baby's born, we'll let him keep the baby. <laughs> and we'll just pick it up when, when we get some extra cash. You know, Don't worry about it. Sing, baby, sing. You know, we had had a She'd had a rough week or 10 days. I can't remember how long I've been gone, but I flew into Portland, Oregon. Shelby picked me up at the airport, and I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something for my wife because I've been gone, and she's been handling all this on her own. And 
Shelby loves animals. I'm going to take her to the Portland Zoo. So we drove over to the zoo, and we're walking through the zoo, and it, it started snowing. Shelby loves snow. She's having a great time. I have a little bit of a whine on. And she looks at me, and she says, sing, baby, sing. I'm like, that's not funny. And it wasn't long, bro, till it wasn't just a little snow. It was a blizzard. What would normally take us three or four hours to get home, it took us like 10 hours to get home. We got home in the middle of the night. It was a mess. I got up the next morning early. To, I'm thinking all I need just to get, you know, get my feet on the ground and get, get going here. I just, I, I just need to get in the shower and get, this, you know, get my head on. And, and I went in to take a shower. There's no water. Well, I told Shelby, there's, there's, there's no water. That, you know, we, li- we, had, we lived in the country, and, and, and uh, we had a well, and the, the thing's frozen, and there's, there's no water. And Shelby just smiles at me, sing, baby, sing. You know, I'm thinking, I'm going to choke somebody out for Jesus. <laughs> I hate it when they use my material against me. <laughs> I called my dad up. He lived about three, three miles down the road, and he, he said he's going to come over and help. And so... Uh, uh, he, he came over there. He couldn't find the little torch that he normally used, so he brought another one. It was a flamethrower. This thing, this thing, I mean, it looked like something out of a sci-fi movie. And when you lit it up, the flame shot out the end. And it, it was blue flame about that long. And we're, we, we went out, to the, uh, went out to the well house, and there's this big tank there. And he's, wah, 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 and the stuff's snapping and popping and cracking, and there's springs shooting across the room. And, man, we, we tore it up with that thing. And we were going to have to go to town to buy some parts. And on the way to the car, he had that torch still in his hand. And he just loved using that torch. And, and there's this little tiny pot that came out of the end of the house, went down the ground. He said, yeah, I think we should hit that for a second. I said, I don't think why it matters. We'll deal with that later. Get, you know, I, let's just go get the parts. And he goes, oh, let's just hit it. And, and, and we got in the car and headed to town. The driveway went up a little hill like this. And as we were going up the hill, I looked in the rearview mirror and stopped. Cause, and, and I looked at him and said, did you, did, we had a fireplace in our bedroom. I said, did, did you light a fire in a bedroom? He goes, no, did you? I said, no. Somebody did. There's a lot of smoke coming out of the chimney. We backed back down the driveway and turned around and went to the house, the end of the house on fire. And I hear the Spirit of God say, sing, baby, sing. <laughs> My dad, he was freaking out. He was running around picking up snowballs, throwing them at the house. Well, I was buying the house from him. Yeah, and, I, and he knew that because I'd been short on money, I told him I'd canceled the insurance. So I just said, well, sing, baby, sing. It wasn't too long until the neighbor came over, and he said, well, that's too bad about the fire truck. What do you mean it's too bad about the fire truck? Well, the fire, the fire truck, dude, is a volunteer fire department. Shelby's dad was on the team. All my hopes in the fire department. They couldn't get their stupid truck up on the highway because of the incline, the snow was too deep. Fire truck can't get out. I was ticked. No, not a little mad. I was ticked. And I was mad at God. I mean, instantly, dude. And I separated myself from all the crazy people. And I went out into the pasture, and I was talking to God, and I said stupid stuff like, you mean after all I've done for you? I went across the country to preach your message. And this is what I'm coming home to? I mean, it's bad enough, but you killed my goat. 
I mean, all of a sudden, now I care about the goat. You know, it's like ammo to shoot at Jesus with. Killed my goat. Ain't got enough money to pay the bills. Now the stinking house is on fire. And I just hear God say, sing, baby, sing. And I'm going to tell you something. He made me stand out in the pasture. I had five acres. He made me stand out in the pasture and sing praises to him. Made me do it. To, to make a long story short, it wasn't long. A few months later, on one of our trips, I took Shelby with me. <laughs> when we came home, a construction company had come in and fixed the house and left a paid in full sticker stapled to the siding. God, God took care of it. Matter of fact, the end result, we were better conditioned than, our, than we'd ever been. But it just, it just dropped, it just brought into living color the message that God had had me speaking. We had to live it. And, and the message comes from Isaiah 54. And it says there, it says, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. It's kind of funny that God shows up to a barren woman. And she's the one who has an excusable reason to not sing. And he says to her, what I want you to do is sing. She could have said, why don't you ask one of the moms with a bunch of kids, have them sing. But no, he, he showed up to the barren and he said, you break forth into singing. And you cry aloud. Break forth. Break forth is a birthing term. To break forth, it, it's a birthing term. And, and, and can, can I just tell you that something happens in the birthing process. And you guys, you men, you and I, we know a lot about the birthing process. Right? We, we know enough. When Shelby, when Shelby finally went in to, to deliver Evan, he, he, there was 18 hours of labor. 18 hours. Dude, it like to wear me out. <laughs> there, was a, there was a moment in that process where Shelby looked at, at me from the bed, and she, and she spoke in a voice that s- sounded similar to that of a demon. And she said to me, take me home. And I said, honey, we, we, we just can't really do it right now. She said, we're going home. I'll, we'll do this later. I'm thinking, that's probably not going to work. You know, uh, we, we, we got to do this thing. And what was funny is that before we ever went to the hospital, I had all these instructions from my wife. We had a go bag. You guys remember the go bag? And it had all of her stuff in there. You know, the hair dryer. Had that little thing to curl her eyelashes. Had all of the makeup. I had a list. And on that list, that list was broken down in time frames. During this part, these people can be here. But as we approach this portion of the birthing process, you have to ask these people to leave and these people can stay. And when we get right down to the moment, everybody's out of the room except my mom. But what was funny is that when she finally got to the point that the baby was coming, she did not care who was in the room. She didn't care if we were in the parking lot of the hospital. She just wanted that thing out. And when, when, when you're birthing, when, when you get to the part in the birthing process that stuff that used to matter no longer matters, you know something real's going on. And I think that's where God's taken us to a place where he's birthing something in us that what used to matter ain't going to matter so much anymore. Because there's something being birthed that he wants us to, to, just, to just participate in that and quit worrying about all the stuff that we used to worry about. 
And, and, and he said, you know what? You, you're looking at barrenness. You're looking at things in your life that aren't producing. I'm telling you, I want you to change the tune of your life and begin to sing because I'm about ready to cause something to happen that's going to change everything in your future. And that's where we are as a body where I'm telling you, it's been awesome to be here, but where we're going is a position where we can see a lot more happen. We're on our way to change the world. And it's time, it's time to sing and to break forth into singing and cry aloud for more of the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Look at verse 2. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, strengthen thy stakes. Enlarge the place of your tent. Your tent's your dwelling place, your dwelling place. It's not this spot. It's not, it's not really this room that God's dealing with. It's this spot. The place where you spend your time, that's in your mind. The thoughts that you think and the, the belief systems that you've developed and, and the things that you're allowing to dictate the process of your life. God said, I want you to get bigger than you've ever been before. I, I, want, you, I want you to think bigger. I want you to believe bigger. I, I want you to dream bigger. I want you to enlarge the place of thy habitation. Man, God, God is challenging you. How big can you dream? Are you hung up on past limitations or do you have the spirit of God in you that says with God, all things are possible. Matter of fact, nothing is impossible with God. How many of you know that's in the Bible? You can hold your hand up. No one will hurt you. Nothing. The Bible says nothing is impossible with God. I don't know if you ever thought about it this way, but that means that if you ain't doing nothing, you ain't with God. Because with God, nothing is impossible. If there ain't nothing going on in your life, you ain't walking with God. You might have a t-shirt, a bumper sticker, and a nasty attitude, but God ain't walking with you. Because if God's involved in it, let me tell you, the only thing that's impossible is nothing. If there ain't some growth in your marriage relationship, maybe you ought to get God back involved. If there ain't nothing going on in, your, in the physical realm, maybe you ought to get God back involved. How about the financial realm? How, how about the, the, the mindsets? If there's not some growth going on, man, it's time to get God back in that thing. Well, how do you do it? Well, we're, we're going we're gonna to see that in just a minute, but he's telling us, man, you've got, you got to get bigger. you got to look at somebody and say, it's time for you to get big. You know, every once in a while, it's almost like God just shows up and says, okay, take the floaties off, head to the deep end of the pool. You're living way too shallow. God, for what his plan and his purpose for your life, you're going to have to move away from the shallow stuff. You're going to have to launch out into the deep. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to get a heart that says, you know what, I'm going to go all in for this thing. I'm going, to, I'm going after the God life. I'm telling you, what would happen if a group of people just decided that we're just going to give God everything? He said, you know, enlarge the place of thy tent, stretch forth your curtains. You know, with the tent, when we traveled with the tent, when you stretch forth the curtains, what happens? Well, it impacts more people. You know, it makes room for more. How do you know that God has more for your life? I said God has more for your life. He's not trying to cut stuff back. He's trying to make room for the more that he's bringing in. So you're not going to lose out. You, you know, well, well, if God asked me for more time or for more effort or for more resource or for more, it's because he's making room for the abundance that he's going to pour in. You're never going to lose with God. Come on, guys. You're never, you're never going to miss out when you're walking in obedience to God. Well, how, how do we do it? Well, he tells us right here. Three things I want to talk about for a minute. Spare not, 
Lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. Everybody say, spare not. Say, lengthen thy cords. Say, strengthen thy stakes. Okay, spare not. Spare not. Areas you've been holding back, stop it. I think probably if we took a few moments and just meditated on this individually, we'd all find areas where we've held back from God. Where the, no, that's my space. You know, we have a tendency to live out of a Chester drawer. You know, and we, we have a drawer for God and a drawer for family life and a drawer for work life and a drawer for our fun life. And God wants you to be whole. You know how confusing it is to have that kind of duplicity in your life? You're one person at work and another person at church. And then you go to church one day and a coworker shows up. And they can't even believe that's you. You, you, you know, uh, that, that promotes this mindset of holding back. A lot of us have held back from God. And we have, uh, we, we have found ourselves in a spot where I believe God's asking us to remove the limitations, get rid of all the excuses, and give total surrender to God. You know, as a body where we're going, I think that what, what God's requiring of us is that we make ourselves, our gifts, our callings, our abilities, that we make ourselves available to his purpose and his plan. You know, a lot of us, we, 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 you know, it's just time for us to stop trying to keep back and, and keep control. And it's time to, to, to let it go. Man, spare not. Don't hold back. In your worship life, let it fly. Come on, look at somebody say, sing, baby, sing. Quit making excuses. Well, I just, you know, I've had a rough week. Demonstrate Satan's defeat. You have the ability to humiliate hell every day of your life. But you got to stop holding back. You know, we, we have these lines in the sand. It's like we get right there. You, you, and some of you guys, l- listen, I, I get to watch this, right? And, and, and I watch you walk up to thresholds where there's going to be great breakthrough and, 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 and you're going to overcome some amazing uh, obstacle in life. You get right to the threshold and then you back away because you're holding back. Because you're holding back. You, you're, you, you want God to change the environment for you, and God wants you to change the environment. You know the word sing, where he said sing, O barren, sing? You know what the word sing means? I'd, I'd challenge you, go home, get out your computer, your phone, or whatever device you want to use, because I know you probably don't have the book. But, but do do a word study on the word sing, and it simply means this, overcome. The same word translated sing is the word we use, overcome. The translators literally could have translated this verse, overcome, O barren. Break forth into overcoming and cry aloud overcome. See, you're wanting God to change everything, but God's wanting you to be the agent of change. To overcome 
Get this. This is deep. It means to come over. Wow. In other words, God's looking at you saying, get over it. That, that excuse that you have to not walk in forgiveness, get over it. You know, all an excuse is, is the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. You're just coming up with, with, with reasons not to obey God. And then wondering, where's all this God stuff at? We end up separating ourselves from this amazing life that God has for us because there's some things we won't get over. There's some things in our past life, you know, well, you know, the churches that we used to go to. Well, this is the first church I've been to like this. Good. I hate it when people say, well, you know what, what we did at the church we used to go to. What, the, what are you doing here then? Because we leave some spot and we get to a new spot and then we want to make the new spot exactly like the old spot. But you left the old spot because you're complaining about it. Stop, don't, don't come here and try to mess us up. <laughs> Say, I love Pastor Tom. Whew, I feel better. Okay. To come, to come over, it'd be like, you know, raising the three boys. If I said to one of them or called them on the phone or, uh, but if I said, come over here. And they stayed where they were. I'd call that disobedience. Some of you guys are waiting for God to show up. God's waiting for you to step out. Why? Because you've been holding back. You got areas of your life that you won't give him, that you won't surrender to him. You're afraid. You're afraid. uh, You know, we, we hear this, you know, I just got to talk about the church life because you cannot consistently perform a test as inconsistent with your character. So the way that you live around here is the way that you live everywhere. And, and, and so, you know, but we hear this all the time that, uh, well, you know, if we get too involved in the church, it's kind of hard to get too involved in the church. You know, it's not like we have services every day. So when we're wanting you to serve the body, well, you're, you're coming to church anyways, right? So you really, you're not doing anything more. I mean, time-wise, you're just not holding back. You're not coming to church. You're becoming the church. And that's, that's, that's an area where uh, all of us have got to get. We've got to stop holding back. We have to lengthen thy cords. Lengthen thy cords. In other words, get outside your current area of comfort. Lengthen the cords. You, you know, when we'd set the tent up and the wind began to blow, and, and we had to understand this stuff because uh, the very first time I ever came to Kennewick, we brought the tent and set the tent up, did a tent meeting. We were here about 10 days with a tent. About day seven, the wind began to blow. Well, that's odd. You know, in Tri-Cities, you can't freak out when the wind blows. It just is going to blow. And, well, what, what are we going to do? Because there's a, a, there's a point that we thought we might have to go to Moses Lake to get the tent. If we don't do something, the tent's going to be gone. Well, well, what do you do? Well, you lengthen the cords. When you lengthen the cords, it actually adds stability to the tent. When you lengthen your cords, it actually brings stability to your life. When you, when you get outside yourself, it actually strengthens your experience. 
you know, a lot of us, you, you know, our, our mindset is, well, this is what I do. This, this, this is, you know, it's, it's almost like, okay, there's, there's a group that it's hard to get them involved. And then there's a group that you get involved, but, but you're inside this, this space. And, you know, well, I can't actually help park cars. Well, why not? Well, I'm an usher. I ush. Yeah, but you're needed out there. But I, but I serve on the usher team. I, I do water. But they need you in the children's department. Oh, don't do kids. Me and kids don't get along. Lengthen your cords. I, I realize I get some resistance right here, but I had no idea it'd be this host, hostile. <laughs> you, you know, uh, w- one of the mindsets that we're going to spend some time annihilating. It's in church life, there's a mindset that usually gets built. I, I've, I've been in church my whole life. And we have a tendency to make church about us. You know, we want to make sure we like the music. We want to make sure that we, you know, that we're getting what we need and that this is about me. But in reality, in, in reality see, here, here at the garden, we're not designing the services for the members. We, don't, we really don't believe that the church belongs to the members. We believe that we're a team that works together all week to create an environment that we can invite guests to so that we can see people who are far from God get close to God and experience the life that God's called them to. So we want to lengthen our cords. We, we want to get outside of ourselves. We, we want to bring everything that we have and together as a team make a difference in this community. It changes lives for eternity, which means that we're going to have to strengthen our stakes. You're going to have to drive the stakes, the tent stakes. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to drive the tent pegs down into the ground a little bit deeper. Because the enemy is going to try to find a way to pull those out so that your life, your tent will collapse. He's, he's, trying, he's trying to get you uh, offended. He's trying to get you hurt. He's trying to get you to think that, well, 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 it seems to me, but we all know Proverbs 14, 12, right? That there's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Death isn't just dead. It's just separation from God. There's a way that seems, well, well, it seems to me, if you have a lot of conversations, well, it seems to me like they should call us and tell us what's going on. I have people ask me all the time, hey, they, or they make this statement, hey, in the move, if you need any help, just give me a call. We don't have time to call 900 people. You just, today, after second service, everything in this building's got to move. There, you've been called. <laughs> well, it seems, if, if, if a lot of your conversations are, have that, it seems to me in it, you need to drive the tent pegs down a little deeper. And not worry about what seems to you. Just focus on the end and let God declare the way. Amen? Strengthen thy stakes. Get, dig in. Come on, guys, dig it. Why? Well, because he, he gives a prophetic picture in verse 3. Check it out. He said, you're going to break forth on the right hand and on the left. You're getting ready, you're getting ready to see. We've had it prophesied over the last few weeks, waves of people that are going to be brought to salvation knowledge over at Okanagan Place. We're on our way to, we're on our way to change the world. And, and you're going to break forth on the right and the left, and, and your seed's going to inherit the Gentiles and make desolate cities to be inhabited. God's getting ready to do something crazy. But we're going to have to be a people that say, you know what? We're not going to hold back. 
We're, we're, we're going to lengthen ourselves. We're going to stretch. We're going to let God stretch us. And we're going to drive the, 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 the stakes in deep. And we're, we're, we're not going to be moved. Hello, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, man, this is just for you, I think. You know, I was praying, getting ready for this weekend, and just thinking about strengthening the stakes. And, and, and it, just, it just reminded me of the book that a lot of us have been reading called All In by Mark Batterson. And I want to read a, a portion of that. It's called Pack Your Coffin. And he wrote this. He said, a century ago, a band of brave souls became known as one-way missionaries. They purchased single tickets to the mission field without the return half. And instead of a suitcase, they packed their few earthly belongings into coffins. And they sailed out of port and waved goodbye to everyone they loved and everything they knew. They knew they'd never return. And A.W. Milne was one of those missionaries, and he set sail for New Herbides in the South Pacific, knowing full well that the headhunters who lived there had martyred every missionary before him. Milne did not fear for his life because he had already died to himself. His coffin was packed, and for 35 years he lived among that tribe, and he loved them. And when he died, tribe members buried him in the middle of their village and inscribed this epitaph on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light, and when he left, there was no darkness. This is one life, all in, that made a difference. And I believe that that's the life that God's calling us to, that we'd be a people who are all in. God's not sending us to safe places to do easy things. He didn't call us to make us safe. He saved us to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. It's storming the gates of hell. And there's no greater privilege than sacrifice. So sacrifices are part of this life. The plan of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. And complete surrender of your life, it's not a radical life. That's the normal life of a Christ follower. Jesus said, if you desire to be my disciple, count your blessings and then release them all for me. You know what I think? I think that God's got a plan for our life. I think Psalm 68, 11 says, the Lord gives the word and a great army brings the good news. Guys, that's the address that God's calling us to come over to. He's saying, come over. Remember, that's the same word as saying. Come over. Come on, guys. Let's have some breakthrough. Come on over to 6811 West Okanagan Place. Because God's given the word, and a great army is going to carry the good news. God's got a plan, and it's going to be amazing. But what you have to do is you, have to, you just have to get this mindset. I'm not going to hold back on God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lengthen the cords. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch out the curtains, you know. I'm, I'm going to let my life uh, uh, impact the lives of more people. I'm driving the stakes in deep. My life's going to make a difference, and I don't care what it costs me because I know at the end it's going to pay off for the kingdom of God. Amen? I want you to close your book and bow your head for just a minute. Maybe you, it's time for you to make a decision today. I'm not asking you, have you ever prayed?